Hello and welcome to this latest CN podcast. I'm Anthony Myers and this week I talk with Tim McCollum, founder and CEO of Beyond Good, which is made producing chocolate from bean to bar primarily in Madagascar. Take a listen. Yeah, it used to be called Madagas, um, which was, you know, we realized early on a very hard name for people to pronounce or remember or to write or to, to share. Um, so the business today is still Madagas in that, um, you know, that's how it's structured from a legal entity. Um, but the brand name is now Beyond Good. We made that transition okay. late last year into early this year. Okay, and are you headquartered in New York then? Is that the, the business address? I know you obviously- Correct. Yeah. yeah correct. The business is headquartered in, in New York with uh-huh. uh, operations here and operations in Madagascar as well. Okay, good. Um, okay, and what's the response been to the, the name change? Was it a smooth transition? Um, you know what? It knock on wood was relatively smooth um we still have a little bit left of um you know the transition to accomplish but it was smooth but it was not um it wasn't easy and it wasn't a small body of work it took a lot of time you know preparing and planning from the creative side to the the intellectual property side and then it it took a lot of time you know, to transition in the marketplace and the brand and our website and everything. But yeah, it, we didn't have any major hiccups along the way. Okay. How many uh, employers do you, do you have in the company? We have in the U.S. Mm. Yep. No, in the U.S. we have um, uh, seven. And then in Madagascar, we have five. So 12 total. Um, and... Yeah, very excited about the team and very dedicated small group of people. Okay, well, we're very excited in the fact that you are based in, uh, your, your chocolate comes from Mother, Madagascar, which is a fascinating uh, region for, for us here at Confection News. Can you just tell us a little bit about Beyond Good um, Chocolate, what, what it is, what makes it unique, um, what, and what type of products you have on the market right now? Yeah, so I think... Um, Part of what makes it unique, you hinted at, is the country of Madagascar itself, and um, especially in the context of the, of the global chocolate industry and what consumers are accustomed to eating or having access to with chocolate. So um, Madagascar has what is widely considered the, the most flavorful cocoa bean in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's used properly to make chocolate, the chocolate bar itself carries that flavor through to the customer in a way that oftentimes exceeds their expectations of what chocolate should taste like. Um, and if you contrast that to, you know, your average grocery store and the chocolate set and what's available, it is almost, you know, to a brand and to an item uh, made with West African chocolate or West African cocoa, which is um, it's got great, flavor and it's it's kind of that traditional chocolate flavor we've all come come to know um 
but it's also compared to something like Madagascar or other origins that make a more flavorful cocoa bean, it's also quite bland. So to be able to contrast that with what we're doing is, is important to the customer and the retailer. Okay, good. Um, and you're on record as, as saying, you know, the chocolate industry in, in general, you know, it's broken on, on two levels. I wondered if you could just explain what you, what you mean by this and uh, if you can offer any solutions. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I guess I'm glad I'm on the record for saying that. And I think other people are too, um, probably not as many who should be, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it is broken on two levels. It's actually broken. You know, you could break it out to more issues, but I'd start with the consumer. Um, and it gets back to the, the point I was making where people don't have access to high quality chocolate. They think they do. They think you know, the chocolate's this great thing, but because of the way the industry's worked over the last 100 years, um, customers actually haven't had access to, to chocolate that has a lot of flavor in it. Um, so that's one issue. And that's, you know, that hits the customer and that hits the retailer. Um, the other issue with the industry is, is uh, really beneath the surface and what happens in the supply chain, which most consumers are not aware of. Um, and I'd boil that down to to two two core issues that then have these this offshoot issue. But the the real issue is poverty. So you have three to four million cocoa farmers living in permanent poverty. It's the backbone of the industry. The industry can't exist without that um, component. Yet they can't feed themselves or their families with the money they get from cocoa. Um, the other issue is transparency or traceability and um, chocolate manufacturers being able to trace back um, their cocoa to a given community that's farming it. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the real issue is you put those two together and what happens. So you have endemic poverty and you have no transparency. Worlds away in Africa compared, you know, from the perspective of, of most chocolate makers. And those two things are like a tinderbox and that's where you get other issues and funny business like forced child labor and mass deforestation. So, yeah, I think it's, it's broken. I think um, at its core, the whole thing needs to be reassessed in terms of the system. And, and um, that's kind of what we're about as a, as a, as a company. Okay. Would you say by its very nature then of being produced at origin in Madagascar beyond good chocolate, you know, is hundred percent traceable. Can you, can you say that? Or is it not even the case for a company like yours even? It's because of the supply chain. No, we can. Complexities. It's easy, easy for us to say that um, because it's true. Yeah. So, um, no, that's easy as it relates to our Madagascar um, product line. Mm -hmm. And I should also just clarify, not all of our, our chocolate is made at origin. Last year, we did about 50%. This year, the goal is about 75%. But in all cases, yeah, whether it's made at, in Madagascar or at our contract manufacturer in Italy, um, it's 100% traceable. And it's, it actually goes a little bit further. Not only is it traceable, but um, the farmers we work with only work with us. We only work with them. So yeah. we've got an exclusive supply chain we've built over the last 10 years or so. Okay. And what about um, Madagascar? Um, it, it, it publishes its own 
social impact report, I think, last year, and it had four, four social impact goals um, aimed at building wealth, creating jobs across the supply chain in Madagascar. Um, can you just tell us a little bit, were you involved in that? And, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about what, what, the, uh, what, what the company is doing along, along those lines? Yeah, as it, you mean as it relates to the impact report? Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, we do that biannually. We just commit to having a third party um, do a monitoring and evaluation of our impact, uh -huh. and we've got a, a good grasp on everything. That's what drives the business. So we obviously pay a lot of attention to it. But I think it's good to have a third party come in and um, produce a report that tells us how close are we to what we think we're doing. Um, so it's all very helpful. And yeah, the first piece of the business has always been, you know, addressing the problem at its, at its root, which is poverty. Yeah. And how do you get cocoa farmers to, to earn more money? Mm -hmm. um, and we've demonstrated our ability to do that. It's well documented. Mm -hmm. um, not just more money, but up to five to six times what the industry standard is to the point where cocoa farmers are now, you know, it's not just living a better life in terms of they have access to things they didn't have access to before, but it's really like they're now thinking at a different level in terms of being cocoa entrepreneurs and building out their own businesses of cocoa collection and fermentation and drying to then supply us larger and larger quantities, which then, you know, it's a beautiful cycle. Usually in a, in the cocoa industry, it's a vicious cycle, but in our case, it's beautiful. The money goes back into the community in greater and greater volumes. Um, and we've seen a huge difference with farmers, not just, um, you know, financially, but really how they're bought into um, the partnership. And um, it's really a, the partnerships a driving force in, in the communities we work with. Okay. Um, just speaking in general terms here, the cocoa sector in general, how with, with your knowledge, your experience, uh, you know, in, in the industry, how how positive are you of you know of the cocoa sector eradicating these issues of child labour, farm farmer poverty, and you know overcoming deforestation? What do you think? Do you think there's been an improvement there in the last sort of ten years? Do you think there's still work to be done? Do you think the you know the industry is on the right track? Uh, are you a little bit because of you know you are? In Madagascar, are you kind of do you keep yourself separate from those kind of arguments, comments? Would you say? Um, no, not at all. I, I think we're we want to be close to all of that, but far enough removed that we maintain our own perspective. But uh -huh. I mean, the more we've built out our business, the more we've realized like this this could be um, something that could have a huge Im impact globally, not just in Madagascar. Um, so yeah, that you know, West Africa is kind of the hot spot for the issues. Yes. Um, and so we want to always be close to what's happening there, even though we're not directly sourcing from there. Mm. Um, what was? Can you actually, um, Tony, just repeat the first part of the question because yeah, I, I wanted to address so, that. Sure. Well. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, how, how positive are you? You know, the cocoa sector in general, uh, its ability to eradicate child labour, you know, farmer poverty and uh, overcoming deforestation issues, you know, in cocoa growing yeah. in various regions of the world. Uh, just your general impression. Do you, do you, think, do you oh. think there's a lot more needs to be done, more money spent, 
um, you know, what are the solutions there, would you say? I mean, it's a great question because um, <laughs> big picture, big yeah. picture, I'm, I'm very optimistic. Yeah. I also, good. like, we usually, for our business, we don't think we're not time bound. So, yeah, eventually, I'm optimistic that eventually we'll get this right as an industry. Um, I do not think that's going to happen in the next decade um, because I don't think people are asking the right questions. I don't think the people, you know, driving a lot of the decisions around, you know, uh, initiatives and investments to try and fix the sector. I don't think they've got the right perspective. So um, that's got to change. Um, and again, I think the problem is, is with the system itself. And most efforts I've seen are trying to fix the existing system around the edges versus looking at that existing system saying, well, that entire system's wrong. We need to build something totally new. That's why I don't think it's, it's going to happen short term because I don't, I don't have a lot of confidence that those, the right questions are being you know, asked and the, the people who are the, you know, the kind of the power players in the industry are even looking at this thing from the right perspective. But I am confident that ultimately we will get there. Um, it's just going to take a little bit of time. Good. I, I like your optimism, Tim. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the, the benefits of, of producing in Madagascar, uh, you've just explained, you know, transparency and um, um, making it origin. Um, that, that's great. But what, what are the disadvantage of, of you know, producing uh, products like cocoa chocolate on Madagascar, you know, how exporting it, um, you know, where, how is the final product exported and where, where, did the, where did the chocolate bars end up getting them to market? Is, it, is that a problem? Um, it's a big part of our focus as a yeah. brand. It needs to be, you know, the primary focus. We always want the, the brand growth to lead the supply chain and, and not vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's a, it's a big part of, you know, the sales marketing distribution is a big part of our effort. Um, and so what leaves the, the country is, a, is our containers of finished product um, coming to the U.S., uh, you know, refrigerated containers. So there's a very rigorous cold chain that's maintained from the factory all the way through to a retail environment here in the U.S. So we're, we're nationally distributed through a couple of um, distributors and all in, we're probably in about three, 4,000 stores around the country. Primary focus is on the U.S. There's some spot distribution in Europe and elsewhere, but um, really it's, you know, the focus is on the U.S. market. Um, Madagascar has certainly been producing or making chocolate in, you've been there since 2014 in Madagascar, is that correct? We've actually, no, we would have launched around 2008 or so. Um, and then for the first seven or eight years, 100% of, of you know, our production was at origin. And then we yeah. took an initiative to build a new factory from scratch there. Um, and that was just completed in 2019. Yes. But yeah, no, we've been, our the history goes back a little further than 2014. Okay. And what's the capacity of the new, the new factory and what's its impact on, on the, uh, on the island, you know, job wise and, and obviously the impact on, on, on the, on the company. How, how is it 
Yeah. 2019, so what, maybe a year or just under a year? Yeah, so 2019, we made about a million bars at Origin, a little less. Um, so that's the factory in Madagascar. Um, we should double that this year. And then we're, um, you know, we're in the process of adding more capacity. We filled the, the capacity a little bit more quickly than we thought we would. Mm -hmm. And um, so now we're in the process of um, expanding the plant. And yeah, the ultimate goal is we would do between four and 5 million units there a year, uh -huh. which you know, it's much larger than a small a type of um, craft factory, but much smaller than a, a global industrial factory. Yes. Yes. It's been interesting because through this process, we've realized there really isn't or aren't a lot or any mid-sized bean-to-bar factories um, where they all tend to be massive industrial factories or, you know, very small craft factories. So in addition to kind of inventing this business model of manufacturing at origin, um, we're now also, also like trying to to invent like, what's the ideal factory size, which has a lot of operational challenges to just to, to solve as well. Mm. Okay, thank, thank you, Tim. Um, final question really, can, can go without asking you about COVID-19 and if it's affected your supply chain or business in in any way shape or form i mean maybe madagascar being where it is it's it's isolated itself from it anyway or, or is that not the case that jury is still out um as it relates to us you know I, the first thing to recognize is we're, we're very fortunate because our products are sold at retail locations and there's been a surge to retail as you know being a uh essential business yeah. that surge is likely gonna you know last for some time mm -hmm. really until restaurants come back which might be you know towards the end of the full recovery so the first thing when we assessed it during like the I'd say like the heart of it which was like for us in, in early March was we've got revenue and we've got a, a good base business so we're better off than a lot of businesses who are, have greater struggles than ours that said, you know, there wasn't a part of our original 2020 plan that, that we didn't take to the woodshed and cut up and redo. And um, so a lot of, lot of budgets got changed. Um, our payroll, we, we took a hard look at and made some tough decisions and, you know, reduced the number of people. Um, and for us now, it's really, um, things are starting to, um, you know, come back a little bit in terms of activity, especially being in New York, which was one of the harder hit areas of, this, of, the, um, of the US or of the world even. Um, things are starting to come back and we're easing our way back into, you know, meetings and distribution initiatives. Um, and then we've got this whole other country of Madagascar to figure out like, okay, how, what's their response to COVID and what's our response there? And there've been, I'd say fewer interruptions there. Um, a couple of weeks where we had to run the factory on limited shifts. Um, but the real wild card in a country like Madagascar is you have a, a very large, um, very poor population living on top of each other without a lot of san sanitation. So, yeah. you know, predictions early on were that the disease would be far worse in, in African countries because there's no healthcare system. That hasn't happened yet, um, you know, knock on wood. So 
but we it's something we monitor daily. Okay, when were you last there? When did you last visit? I was there in January, mm -hmm. and now that seems like five years ago. Um, <laughs> do you hope to return? Do you are you just? Uh, I haven't even haven't even thought about it. Yeah. You know, our biggest actually our biggest issue with Madagascar has been the flight availability. Yeah. So they've closed their international borders about um, 60 days ago. And so for us, it's getting the right people on our team into Madagascar. So we have one person who's currently in Mozambique and can't get over. Mm -hmm. We had one person with two people who were who are now stranded on the U.S. side of things who we can't get back into the country because that's where their jobs are. So um, that's been a challenge. But again, it's, you know, it's, we'll survive and um, you know, it's what makes what, what what we do so interesting is you've got more than one challenge to figure out. You've always got several. Absolutely, and if you're if the business is robust and uh, you know well well managed and well set up, then it, it it bodes well, doesn't it? I guess you know for the future when things return back to normal. Um, so yeah, Tim. Well, we wish you well, and thank you very much for your insights into you know into chocolate. In, in Madagascar. It's been a fascinating, a fascinating talk, so thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Tony. I very much appreciate it. Thanks.